And I just pray, Father God, that we would be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. We all say as one church, amen, amen, and amen. slipped in between last time and this time. My name is Chris and I'm the lead pastor here and we're just honored to be sharing this this Sunday with you and more importantly uh, this message that God has for us. Turn your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 2. So if you're not quite familiar with that go to the New Testament Matthew Mark uh, chapter 4 I'm sorry Mark chapter 4. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's we just replenished. We just got some brand new ones right there on the table. So you can have them. They're yours. Take one home, mark it up, dog ear it, all that kind of stuff. We like for you to have uh, a Bible with you while you're here. Uh, we know that this is a digital age, but there's something about paper that I just love. I do. I do. Let's dig in. Um, we, we are, uh, I don't know if this is the right choice of terminology, but we are blessed to be living in a state like Maryland where we get to experience all the seasons of weather. In one week. We get to experience all the seasons of weather. And, I, and I'm kind of grateful for that, right? Because we have toyed with the idea of moving further south. I would never move further north. I've had enough shoveling snow for my life. But every once in a while, I don't mind it. That's why I have a big old snowblower. But, you know, uh, I, I kind of enjoy having all the spring and summer and fall summer and, you know, false fall summer and false false fall. And, you know, for that whole three-week period where everything changes, you know, like three days ago, it was 80 degrees and then it was 30 degrees degrees and we got you know, all that kind of stuff. I find weather very, very interesting. And apparently the whole um, world finds weather interesting because it's like the number one topic of small talk, right? When you're in a, a group, you know, you run out of things to say. First thing you say is, so how about that weather, right? How about that weather? What about that storm we had last week? What about that? You know, oh, oh, my dad, <laughs> my dad was great. Anytime somebody would talk to my dad about the weather, uh, typical Marylander born and raised, he would say this, well, I get what you're saying about the weather, but we live in Maryland, so if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, right? Wait five minutes, and you'll have something different. Uh, we, we love to complain about weather. And you know, those people who, like, in the middle of summer, dog days of summer when it's like 100 degrees, they're like, I hate the cold, I hate it, I hate the heat, I hate the heat, I hate it, I hate it. And then when it's like the middle of December, they're like, I hate the cold, I hate the cold. I get those people all the time on my feet. I just block them, send them, you know, send them away. So if I don't respond to your stuff, it's probably because you've complained about the weather just one too many times, and I have hidden you from my feed. That's true, but I find weather interesting also in this way, is that uh, we remember, maybe, maybe I'm the only weird person, but I think everybody does this, we remember big weather events in our life, right? We remember storms. We remember where we were. We remember what we were doing. We remember who we were with. Some of us have traveled around the country a bit, right? Military and all that kind of stuff. And you might even remember some stays in some of those towns by a certain weather event or a certain thing that would have, like 2010, right? 2010, if you were in Maryland, you remember 2010. We had like back to back to back 16, 18, 20 inch snowfalls. And we had 42 inches, right? So 42 inches of snow. 
snow. We just can't build a snowman. Me and Emily decided we were going to build a snow elephant. Right? Best snow elephant ever. I remember this. And it's actually pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, look. Look at the detail here. You got the little ears, a little hat, you know. My dog could run underneath of it. Snow elephant. Snow elephant. I think Emily named her Ellie. I can't remember. Yes, Ellie. I'm getting the thumbs up back there. Uh, getting the thumbs up. But um, 1978. Anybody remember that? 1970. See, everybody, everybody is right. Everybody is, if you're my age anyway, everybody knows 1978, we got like 24 inches of snow. And that's when they closed schools for like a week because of that. I remember digging all the tunnels. Me and my friends dug the snow forts with the little igloos and all that kind of stuff. It was great. I remember where we were when Hurricane Katrina rolled through. Right? Our kids were young. We were little. We were like, how are we going to survive in this house with three children and no electricity? We got through. It was so, uh, I remember that because we walked around the neighborhood. We lived down kind of close to the water in Rivera Beach. And all the houses that were along the water, their yards were just completely underwater. We don't get hurricanes that come around this much. Uh, we remember when there's no storms. Anybody remember three weeks ago? The forecast was for six to eight inches. We got like this much. It was gone by 12 o'clock noon. That's the kind of snow I like. It looks pretty in the morning. And, right, and then it's gone. It's gone. We remember that. These weather memories give us kind of tent poles in our lives. We remember what was going on, kind of a history of our life. Some of them good, some of them bad. And, and it's not just the physical storms in our life. It's not just the weather-related storms in our life that do that to us. The metaphorical storms in our life do that as well. And sometimes those metaphorical storms in our lives stick with us for a lifetime. Sometimes they just will not leave no matter how much we try. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But, but if I ask everybody just, just to take a minute and think back, I guarantee you everybody in this place would come up with some life storm that you still remember like it was happening yesterday, some tragedy that happened in your life that you wouldn't wish on anybody, some some. Some illness, maybe your, when your parents died, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the last image of my father in the hospital. Never forget that. An illness maybe you were diagnosed with or somebody was diagnosed with that just really has no rhyme or reason. We all remember these times because they made us feel some kind of way, right? They made us feel something. They, they connected the emotion with our kind of memory banks. And maybe that emotion was anxiety Maybe they make you feel kind of anxious. Maybe they made you feel kind of sad. Some of them just made us confused and we're like, why in the world is this going on? I can't understand it. Some of us were hurt. Maybe it was one of those kind of storms in your life where a good friend or a family member just stabbed you in the back repeatedly. Sometimes we get angry at those things, right? Sometimes we get angry that we have to go through that and we don't understand it. But I think of all the emotions that we might individually feel, there's one emotion that we all feel when we go through these times of storms and uncertainty, and that emotion is fear. When we go through these times in our lives, which we might call storms, and we don't know what's happening, and we don't know the plan for the other side, we're afraid. We're afraid of what's going to happen. We're afraid of the outcome. And so today, 
I want to look at a really familiar story for most of us. And in this story, we see some really bad weather, which ends in one simple question that can make a huge difference in the way we approach and look at and ride out the storms in our lives. So, Father, in this time today, in this place, as we open up your word and as we understand what it is that you have us learn from what you've preserved for all these years, help us to understand that there is a reason that you are a God who is in control and that you are our hope in all things, in all storms, in all times, in all places, through Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for that promise. And so today, God, open our hearts. Feed us because we are hungry and desperate to fill the God-shaped hole that lives in each one of us. Leave no doubt that you're here. And again, God, help us to all leave here transformed, different than when we came in. Use me, God, but make this all about you. Make every word that comes out of my mouth from you and use me however you see fit, God. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. Mark chapter 4, open up your Bibles. We're going to dig right in. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. You guys sound ready. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this. That day when evening came, he, that's Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So where are we? How do we get here? What's going on? Jesus is teaching at the, the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, right? And, and Jesus was actually teaching in a boat. So Jesus is in a boat slightly offshore, and everybody else, the crowds, had gathered around onshore. And if you read a little bit further back in Mark's gospel, you'll see that this is a section where Jesus is teaching lots of parables, lots of truth he's throwing out. He's spitting lots of truth out at his guys and anybody else who will listen. So, so he's in the boat, and the text tells us that he said, let's go to the other side, and they left just as he was in the boat. He was in the boat going across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is kind of a really whacked up sea, right? Because the Sea of Galilee is several hundred feet below sea level. It is surrounded on most sides by very steep hills, and it is not that deep. I think at its deepest, I read it was maybe 200 feet deep, the Sea of Galilee, which for a, a large sea is probably, I think, eight miles one way and five miles the other way. So that's a pretty big body of water, only about 200 feet deep. Now, because of the way it was situated, way down in this kind of bowl, surrounded by hills, um, the winds would come in from the west and do some amazingly horrible things to the water. 
It's kind of like, you ever seen those, remember those things they used to have in the shopping malls? They looked like a big funnel, and they would, would go down like this, and they had this little hole in them, and you would take a penny, and you would put it in there, and then the penny would go real slow, and as it started going down, it would get faster and faster, 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 until your three-year-old says, where did the penny go? And it drops in there, right? And then somebody collects all the money, gives it to charity, we hope, and doesn't spend it on on hamburgers or something like that. I don't know. But this is kind of what happened with the wind on the Sea of Galilee. When the wind would come down from the west and kind of get caught in this scoop, this bowl, it would start circulating. And it would start circulating and circulating and circulating. And because the sea was so shallow, it would just put the sea in a torrent of wave and crashing. And we don't know. I mean, the story doesn't tell us that there was rain. It just says there was a squall. Lots of wind, lots of waves. It tells us that as they were cruising along the Sea of Galilee, a furious squall came up. So much so that it was almost sinking the boat, is what the text tells us. You ever been in a storm like that? I mean a physical storm. I don't mean a metaphorical storm. A physical storm. One of those storms where it's raining so hard that you got to pull over on the side of Route 100 because your windshield wipers can't go fast enough anymore. Yeah, we were. We just got back from the ocean. It was beautiful. It was, but it was raining Saturday when we left, and we were when we went to leave. This is the funniest thing. I kind of find it funny, but it's it's very true. The hotel is between where we were coming out of the hotel and the ocean. It's raining, so there's a covered portion, and we were parked outside of the covered portion. And so I said, Susie, you stand here. I don't want you to get wet. I don't want the luggage to get wet. I will pull around. So we were parked right at the edge of the building. And I'm walking out there, and it's a little wet, and I'm like, oh, this is no big deal. As soon as I walked around the side of the building and stepped up on the curb, the gust of wind from the ocean storm hit me. It literally knocked me off the curb, and I'm like getting back up to my car. You ever been in a storm like that? I mean, it's bad enough on dry land. But imagine being in a small fishing boat. This wasn't like a luxury liner. This was not like Princess of the Seas. Captain Steubing was not driving this boat. This was a small fishing boat, a little wooden fishing boat that probably could fit 10 to 12 guys uh, or or ladies and and had a couple small sails, and and that's what they were in. Now, interestingly enough, the guys in the boat with Jesus were fishermen. So they had some experience navigating through storms. I have to imagine that as they're out there casting their nets, some storms had come up that they had to navigate and, and move out of, but this storm was too much even for them to handle. And we know that because they wake Jesus up in a panic. They wake Jesus up in a panic. Don't you care? They thought they were going to drown. They literally thought the boat was filling up with water. This is the end. We're going down right here in the Sea of Galilee. And I want to know, have you ever gone through a storm that was just too much for you to handle? I'm talking metaphysical, metaphorical storms now. One of those things that you just not sure how you're going to make it to the next minute. One of those storms in your life that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, you don't even know how long the tunnel's going to go. Ever been in one of those storms? Ever been in one of those situations? I think we all have. And it's even worse when you're walking really close with God, isn't it? When you go through that storm and you don't know God, well, that's one thing. 
But when you're doing everything you're supposed to do, when you're praying every day, you're reading God's word, you're in his place, you're being transformed, you're being made into the image of Jesus Christ, you're walking with him, you're relying on him, and you still go through that storm? Now, that's a whole different story right there, isn't it? I mean, because we get to this place, we're like, God, why are you letting me go through this storm? I can't believe you would do something like this. I am doing exactly what you want, and still I'm going through this storm. Doesn't make sense. We went through one of these storms for several years, and I've I've given the details of this situation several times, so I'm not going to go into those, but we went through a mental health crisis in our family probably 12, 13 years ago now. Uh, and, and while, you know, you may be thinking, well, that's just a one person deal. That is not true. If you were in a family, those kinds of situations are family events. They are family crises. They are family storms that we, we went through. And let me tell you, this was like this furious squall. It came up out of nowhere. And we couldn't for the life of us figure it out. It wasn't just a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. It went on for years, and we are still some ways healing from that. And we could never, ever for the life of us figure out why this happened. We were following God's will. We were doing the best we could to be great disciples of Jesus. And still the storm came. And I want you guys to know this, and I hope this gives some comfort. Storms will come even when you're in God's will. Storms will come even when you're in God's will. Jesus told them, get in the boat. Remember that. Jesus said to them, let's go in this boat and go to the other side. This was Jesus' will. They weren't like, wait a minute, Jesus. Hold on. We know that there could be some strong winds, so we're not going to do it. And he had to drag them kicking and screaming. They willingly got in the boat. They willingly listened to Jesus throwing down all this truth, teaching about the kingdom of God and what it takes to be in the kingdom of God and what it takes to be living an eternal life. And he said, let's get in the boat. And they're like, okay. They were in God's will in his will, and the storm still came. And it's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. And where I want to caution us is this. If we allow it to, that single storm can get even worse. Welcome to Hope Springs Church. We just want to make your day bright. (laughs) But it's true. And what we'll discover as we kind of unpack a little bit more here is that there wasn't just one storm that the disciples were going through. There were actually three storms that the disciples were going through. There was, of course, you know, the physical storm. We go through these physical storms, right? For them, it was the wind and the waves and the boat and crashing over the boat and water in the boat. And I can imagine they're probably trying to scoop things out with their hands. And they're like, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going down. But for us, it could be any number of things. It could be that diagnosis that the doctor just gave you that you're just like mind blown. How am I going to recover from this? It could be the battle with addiction that you have been fighting for years and years and years. It could be a family member battling addiction, and you're trying to support them through that for years and years and years. Maybe you have a child that you haven't seen because they just decided to go off and do their own thing, and you have no relationship with them. These storms come in all kinds of ways. Maybe you did just put your parent in hospice. 
Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you went through a divorce years ago and you're still trying to find the person you're supposed to spend your rest of your life with. These storms come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And here's the thing, folks. They are unavoidable. They are unavoidable. They will happen. God is not a safety net. This is a mistake we make. That when we come to God, God's going to be our protector, our guardrails. God puts up these guardrails and if anything starts happening bad, he just sends us down the middle and he's like, I got you. You're all good. That is not the promise in scripture that's not the promise he's not a safety net but he is our anchor let me tell you that let me tell you that but if we're not careful that physical storm can manifest itself into another storm and this is exactly what happened to our guys in the boat they were terrified. We know this. Just by reading this story, it doesn't take much. You don't even have to read between the lines. For them to wake up Jesus and say, don't you care if we're going to drown? They were afraid the boat was going down. They were afraid. And look, I don't even think they were asking Jesus to fix the situation. They were more or less telling Jesus, hey, you're asleep. You know, we're going down, Jesus. Maybe you could pick up a bucket and start shoveling some water out of the boat, right? And that might have been a lost cause. It's kind of like trying to empty your swimming pool with a thimble. I don't know. You know, they're just kind of going there, going there. But they're maybe like, pick up a bucket, Jesus. Come on. Let's help us. Let's help us. And that's the funniest thing we do. When we're in the storm, we're still trying to direct the outcome. We're still trying to direct the resolution. Right? We're still trying to do it all on our own. Jesus was in the boat. They didn't ask him to fix it. They were just saying, hey, Jesus, we're going to drown. If we could just ask Jesus to help us out sometimes, you know? But if you can imagine that scene, if you've ever been in a situation like that, when you look around and there is no apparent way out, if we're not careful, that physical storm can manifest the emotional storm. The emotional storm. When we let the physical storm start writing stories in our head, right, we do this. And those stories, by the way, are usually false, right? I'm not good enough. I can't make it. Uh, everything's going. When I, when, I, when I realized for the very first time in my life that I was poor, po, I mean, you know, I wasn't just poor. I was po. When I realized that, I was a single dad raising two kids. I'm sitting at my kitchen table trying to pay bills. And those bills in front of me were a two-month-old turnoff notice from Baltimore Gas and Electric. You know the pink ones? Mm -hmm. A three-month past-due notice on my mortgage that said, we are preparing to take your house to auction. Lots of overdue credit cards that I had run up to the max because I didn't have the money to pay them. And an empty refrigerator. And all those stories started writing themselves in my head. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my kids. I can't take care of them. What are we going to do? I'm out on the street. I'm going to be a bum. I'm going to be, you know, uh, without a home. Or where am I? How are my kids going to get to school? All of these stories. This is what the enemy does, folks. The enemy, when we go through these storms, that's the perfect attack ground for the enemy. And he wants to come at you right when you're the weakest and start saying things like, God's not going to help you. God's not here for you. You're on your own. And you're never going to get out. And guess what? This storm is going to be so bad, you might not make it through to the end. Ever been there? We all have. In fact, I think that's kind of the normal place we go to, isn't it? If we're not careful, when we get in that physical storm, 
we allow those lies to circulate around our head and that causes the emotional storm and that is hard and once we get to that emotional storm that can lead us to the third storm and that's the spiritual storm look they had seen jesus do some pretty amazing things they just spent we don't know exactly how long that you know the the text takes in time frame but they they had just spent you know a long time listening to jesus throw down some really awesome truth they had been with jesus they had watched him heal sick people they had watched him cast out demons into pigs they had watched him raise people from the dead they knew who he was and still that spiritual storm that emotional storm Cause them to be in this place where they're like, teacher, Jesus, don't you care? I want to know, anybody ever asked that question? Anybody ever asked that question? In the middle of your storm, Jesus, I thought you loved me. This was a crisis of faith, and that's where we can get, right? It is the spiritual storm, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there right now where you have allowed that physical storm to manifest the emotional storm. And you've allowed that emotional storm to manifest the spiritual storm. We do it. We do the same thing. Don't you care, God? Where are you? I can't, I can't tell you the number of times I have asked where God is in the middle of my storm. Why are you giving me no help? Why can't I hear you? I've been praying. I've been reading your word. I was told that the answer to every one of life's issues is right here. And I've been reading it and still I got nothing. But take heart because then Jesus does exactly what Jesus does. He, he is Jesus. He is God. And he does it in a way that they really probably never saw coming. In verse 39 it says, he got up, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. It says he rebuked the wind. This is the same word we read when Jesus does things like cast out demons from people. It is something not good for us. It is something that shouldn't be in our lives. It is something that challenges us. And he says, no, get away. Get out of here. Go away. This is what Jesus does. They had seen miracles. They had seen Jesus take blind people and make them see, take deaf people and make them hear, take lame people and make them walk. He had see, they had seen Jesus cure leprosy just by touching someone. They had seen Jesus throw down the most amazing God-honoring truth you could ever imagine. And now they see him. The Son of God control the wind and the waves. And that had to blow their minds. That had to blow their minds. We know that because we're not going to read this, but they asked the question, who is this person that even the wind and the waves obey him? Their spiritual storm, it kind of made them lose sight of who they, because they, you know, they, they, they've been with Jesus for a while. Had to blow their minds. But listen, Jesus can choose to work any way he wants in your life. He is in control. He is the God who is in control of all things. I've been, I've been diabetic for since I was 12. That's, if you do the math, 43 years. Go ahead, count it. You know how old I am now. Yeah. Thank you. 
be 44 years here coming up in a couple of months. But uh, Now, I don't talk about this a lot because to me it's not a thing. Um, but if you know anything about type 1 diabetes, you know that it is a complete systemic autoimmune disease that um, from a very early age I was made aware that it will affect every organ in your body. Um, of the list of top killers in, in the United States, uh, diabetes is number one because it can cause all the other five, heart disease and lung disease and cardiovascular disease and, you know, people go blind, people lose their eyesight, people get little infections in their toe and end up losing a leg. It's not a little deal. It's a storm. Let me tell you what, it is a storm. And it's not just a storm, but it's a lifelong storm. It's not a storm that I can ever hope that's going to go away. I prayed to God. I prayed to God for a long time. Heal me, please, God. I know you can. I know you can heal me. My mother prayed for me. Other people in the church prayed for me. But you know what? God didn't choose to heal me in the way I wanted. He didn't. What he chose to do was to use me. He chose to use me. He chose to you know, ingrain in my brain this desire to take care of myself, number one. And I want to tell you that while you may not think it's a big deal for a diabetic to have lived 44 years, it is. It is. And for a diabetic to live 44 years without any complications from diabetes is even a bigger deal. Or I could say it like Wilford Brimley, diabetes. Right, diabetes. It's that old math question. Johnny had two Snickers bars and two packs of M and M's and two cupcakes, and he ate them all. What did he get? Diabetes. Right. You know, that's not how it works, folks. I want to tell you that's not how it works. God could have healed me. God could have chose to snap his fingers. God could have chose to use any one of those people, but he didn't. He chose to 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 to, to rectify my storm in a different way. And here's the amazing thing about that: throughout my life. I have more than enough times you can count on two, two hands. People have come into my life who have been newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and I have been able to minister to them. I have been able to show them that they can live a completely normal life, that it doesn't have to be something that defines them. God can do whatever he wants. God can get you through the storm in any way he sees fit. Sometimes he will calm your storm, but sometimes he will use your storm. But no matter what he chooses to do, he is always in your storm with you. He was in the boat with them. He's always in it. He's always in your storm. And then he asks, not one question, but two questions. And I got to tell you that I think these questions are absolutely inseparable. They can't go singularly. They have to go together. He said to his disciples, verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, that seems like a pretty callous question for Jesus to ask the guys who were just in a boat that was sinking. Imagine if he asked you that, right? And you're going through your storm, and he's like, well, why are you so afraid? We don't think Jesus would ever ask a question like that. Jesus is love and compassion and mercy and grace. He had already spoken to their physical storm. He calmed the wind and the waves. He rebuked the wind and calmed the seas. And now he asked these questions to speak to their emotional storm and to their spiritual storm. And it only makes sense if we go back to the very beginning. 
the very beginning, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. What was Jesus' plan? The other side. Jesus' plan was to get in that boat and land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. His plan was not, oh, let's go out to the middle and watch the storm capsize the boat. His plan wasn't, I'm going to see how good you guys can swim. We're going to go out there. The boat's going to sink. You all go in different directions. Let's see who gets to the shore first. He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, well, we're just going to flip a coin. Maybe we'll make it. Maybe we won't. His plan was, let's get to the other side, not let's go halfway and panic, not let's go halfway and drown, not let's go halfway and die in a boat that's sinking. His plan was let's go to the other side, and his plan will always be accomplished. Jesus' plan will always be accomplished. Whether we see it or not, whether we get blinded by the physical storm or not, whether the emotional storm takes over and the spiritual storm comes in, Jesus' plan will always be accomplished. If he says it, he will get you there. If he's got a plan for your life, he will get you there. If he says, go to the other side, guess where you're going to end up? On the other side, he will get you there. If he says, take a leap of faith, Take that big, scary leap of faith. I don't know what yours is, but I guarantee you somebody in this room is trying to decide, do I take this leap of faith or do I not? If he's leading you to it, he'll get you there. He will. Start a new ministry. Some of you have been responding to my email saying, hey, that would be a good idea if we did that. And I always ask, well, when do you want to start, right? Maybe Jesus is calling you to a new ministry. If he is, he will get you there. He'll get you to the other side. A new career is on your horizon. You're trying to decide whether to take the job. He'll get you there. He'll get you there. You've been trying to stop using for years and years and years and years. And I guarantee you God's plan is for you not to be using them, for you to be whole and healthy. He will get you there. He will get you there. No matter what his plan is, he's going to get you there. You want to stop that generational curse of verbal abuse or physical abuse or a addiction or abandonment he will get you there his plan never fails he will always get you there he will always get you there i guarantee it and these two questions teach us so much about how to ride out the storms in our life because we think we think that the way to conquer fear is with courage. We think the way to conquer fear is by being brave. Sometimes we think the way to conquer fear is just to roll up our sleeves and work a little harder at it and we're going to get through it. We think that the way to conquer fear is through our own will, through our own bravery, through our own kind of brain power, and those things will work for a while. But sooner or later, they're going to stop working. The way to conquer fear is not through bravery. It's not through courage. The only way to conquer fear is through faith. That's the only way to conquer fear. And the question is this. The question Jesus is asking is, is your faith in the one who commands the wind and the waves? Is that who your faith is in? Have you, have you gone all in on the deep end of who Jesus is and what he can do in your life, remembering that if he's got a plan for your life, he'll get you there? He says, go to the other side. You're going to go to the other side. Is your faith in that Jesus, the one who commands the wind and the waves, or are you just in it for the ride, the free, the free ticket to heaven? Because there's more to it than that. There's a deeper relationship than that. 
when we give him everything, when we get in the boat, you got to remember, those guys knew what the Sea of Galilee was all about. They knew there was a 50-50 chance that when they got out on the Sea of Galilee, there was going to be a, f- a fierce squall. They'd seen it before. They got in the boat. Are you in the boat? Are you putting your faith in that Jesus who commands the wind and the waves? He will get you to the other side. He is with you. Scripture promises nothing, nothing that there will be no storms in our life. In fact, Jesus himself says, in this life you will have trouble. trouble. Come on. But take heart. I have overcome this world. I have overcome this world. And look, sometimes the storms will go until the day we die. But guess what? On the other side, there are no storms there. There's no storms there. It's perfect. It's heaven. He promises, I will be with you through the storm. I will never leave you in the storm. He is our protector. He is the lion of Judah who conquers all things. He controls the wind and the waves. Come on, people. That is a big deal. Even the weathermen can't do that. Jesus controls the wind and the waves. He parts the waters so that you can walk through. This is the Jesus we serve. He'll get you there. If he has a plan for your life, if he is leading you to it, he will get you through it. He'll get you there. Every time. That's right. That's worth clapping about. I mean, come on. Look, I can't count the number of times I have allowed the physical storms in my life to manifest an emotional storm, which then manifests a spiritual storm. In fact, you all know, I'm I'm not ashamed of this. It's no secret. You know that I spent a long time in my life running away from God. And it was because of this exact situation. When I was young, I started going through these physical storms. My own fault. Too much partying. Too much drinking. Too much drugs. But that caused all kinds of havoc in my life. And as I was in that, those lies started coming into my head. And I started believing them. You're not good enough. Look where you are. You thought God had a call on your life when you were 12 and 13 years old, but he ain't calling you to that no more. There's no way he can use you. And I walked away. That spiritual storm in my life lasted for years. For years. And I had to realize that it was never him. It wasn't his fault. It was me. I eventually had to realize that God has a good plan for my life. And I want to tell you, he has an amazing plan for your life, too. He has an amazing plan for your life. I want to show you a couple pictures we took this weekend. You guys got these? Let me see the first one. So I want you to look at this picture. Obviously, stormy. You can't see far. The waves are crashing. This was actually a mild version of some of the scenes we saw uh, when we were there. And then I want to show you this picture. Calm. You can see forever. The sun is shining. And I want to tell you, these pictures were taken from the same camera, from the same spot less than 12 hours apart less than 12 hours apart 
If God can command the wind and the waves to be still and quiet, he can do amazing things in your life if you put your faith and hope and trust in him. He is the God who spoke the universe into existence. He is the God who knelt down and scooped up the mud to form you in his image. He is the God who is high above everything. He loves you. He cares for you. He sees you. And most of all, when we put our hope and faith in Jesus, he is in the boat with us. Wherever storms come, whatever we're riding through, Jesus is right there in the stern. And just because you think he's sleeping doesn't mean he's silent. Just because you think he doesn't care, just because he's not speaking to you right now doesn't mean he's not responding to you. He will get you there put your faith in him put your faith in the one who commands the wind and the waves he won't let you down I guarantee it all the things in this world that we try to conquer the storms they'll let you down they'll fail people five step plans internet deals Amazon they're all going to fail but Jesus won't he'll get you there He'll get you there. And here's another little thing we miss sometimes. You see, that wasn't the only plan on the line that day. When Jesus told his guys to get in the boat and they encountered that storm, that wasn't the only plan that was on the line. That was the immediate plan. We're going to the other side. The whole reason Jesus came was for a bigger plan. Your salvation your salvation he came so that our condition of sin could be satisfied on a cross through his blood and made whole again so that we could be reunited with God that's why he came the boat couldn't go down because he had a plan that was bigger than that salvation for everyone everyone here That plan is eternal. And listen, if you've been riding through the storms for a long time and you feel like there is nobody in your boat with you, Jesus wants to be there. When we put our faith in him, yes, we get reunited with God. Yes, our sins are washed clean. But we also have him in our boat. And while that doesn't promise a life without storms, it certainly promises a life with Jesus who will never leave us who will never forsake us, who will never, ever turn his back on us, and who will always be riding right in that boat with you. And so if you've never put your hope and faith in him, I'm going to ask you to do that. If you have never, maybe maybe you've been in church for a long time, and you're like, well, I'm in church, so I've got salvation by osmosis. It doesn't work that way. You can't absorb salvation. You have to claim salvation by putting your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. You have to say, Scripture tells us that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. And so we're going to pray together. And if you feel God pulling you, it's his grace pulling you right now. Whether you've been here for a long time or whether this is your first time experiencing this message, we're going to pray together. And I want to give everybody the opportunity to experience Jesus' ultimate plan so that you can walk to the other side of salvation. So with all heads bowed, 
and all eyes closed. We'll pray this way. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe you are fully God and fully human. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross to pay for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating my separation with God. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, first of all, for anybody who has made a decision today, either in this building or at home, or who may watch this message in weeks to come, we thank you for your promise of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And if just one person has made that decision today, we know you are rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing, and we're rejoicing with you. And we just thank you, God, because it's your grace, your grace, not any words I say, but your grace that makes salvation effective in our lives, God. So thank you for that. Help us, Jesus, to remember you're always in the boat with us. And if you have a plan for our lives, which you do, you will get us there. You're a man of your word, and you have never failed. And finally, Father, we just ask you to keep everybody healthy and safe until we meet again. We ask one more time that you just lift up the, the, the Chick Anderson Spicer family in the arms, only arms that are big enough to, to, to give that comfort in times like this, God. And that you welcome Mike 